From slavery to freedom. The theme, really, of the Bible. From Passover to Lord's Supper is what I wanted to talk about today from the Word of God. In the context of Jesus' transfiguration, I will leave you to read that in in Luke 9, but it says this in, in verses 30 and 31 of Luke 9. It says, And behold, and you're probably familiar with this story, And behold, two men were talking with Him, Jesus, Moses and Elijah, now watch why they were, who appeared in glory and spoke of His departure, which we, He was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. They spoke with Jesus of His departure. Guess what the Greek word for departure is? Exodus. Exodus. Jesus was about to accomplish through His death an exodus the true and greater exodus that is pictured and typified by the physical deliverance of the people of Israel from Egypt. See, that's what the Passover remembered and celebrated and rehearsed was the Passover, the deliverance of the children of Israel from bondage and slavery in Egypt. And Moses and Elijah are there talking with Jesus about the exodus, not that has been already accomplished, but that he was about to accomplish. A little biblical theology, and you see type and you know, anti-type shadow and reality. You see the, the prediction and the fulfillment. And Jesus is about to fulfill everything pointed to in him. Through his life, yes, through his death, through his burial and resurrection, reign and return. So what we see in the Bible is movement from the Old Testament to the New, we see movement from shadow to reality, from shadow to substance. Jesus is the true and greater mediator. He is the true and greater Moses who will accomplish the true and greater Passover. What is that? The deliverance of His people. See, Jesus succeeded where Adam failed. He succeeded where Israel failed. He succeeded where we failed in keeping God's commandments in thought, word, and deed out of love for the Father. And He's come to deliver His people from slavery and captivity. A worse captivity than being captive in Egypt. This is a captivity of sin. Being captive in sin. So today as we're gathering again, uh, taking the Lord's Supper, I thought it would be good to focus on and explain the Lord's Supper in a little more detail and show its relationship to Passover, which they had put together and were celebrating, and which Jesus is clearly uh, fulfilling as He moves to the cross and, and beyond. So we're going to look at, at, at verses 14 to 23 really uh, more focused in on, on verses 19 and 20 when we get there. And we'll see that the main point is Jesus is the true and greater Passover lamb who delivers His people from captivity and sin. All of those lambs sacrificed in the Old Testament, their blood could not wash away sin. It simply covered and pointed to the Messiah who would come, who would actually accomplish redemption for His people. So let's talk first about the Passover because you can see clearly in the text they had prepared for the Passover, they were eating the Passover, and then Jesus is, is if you will, showing His fulfilling that and transforming that meal that we now call the Lord's Supper. Look back again. Passover in verse 15. 
He says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. What, what was the Passover again? Well, it, it, it rehearsed the Exodus. It, it looked back to the Exodus. And the Exodus was the deliverance of, of Israel from slavery and, and harsh treatment and suffering and captivity in Egypt. And if you're familiar with the story, you know, Israel, uh, you know, at first when they were, they came to Egypt, it wasn't that way. But when another Pharaoh came in that didn't know Joseph, you know, things got hard on Israel. They were in slavery according to God's prediction. They cried out for deliverance. God sent a deliverer in Moses and used him, even though he was reluctant, used him to deliver his people from Egypt. It was a departure. It was a deliverance. Therefore, exodus from Egypt. And so when God was delivering His people from that captivity, He put in place the first holiday that He ever gave the Jewish people was Passover. This is the first one in the first month, what would be the first month of their year. On the 14th day, they were to sacrifice the Passover lamb. And God had called Moses as a deliverer and and called him to go into the presence of Pharaoh and demand that he let his people go. And he would not. And you know the story. And, and so the ten plagues were, were really judgments on Egypt and judgments on their God and showing the superiority of the Lord. And you come to the final plague, which is the death of the firstborn. And I'll let you go read back in Exodus. Uh, read the whole book if you can, but read in chapter 12 about the Exodus and, and following. But a lamb would die in the place of the firstborn of each Jewish household and would deliver each Jewish household from that judgment. See, God had said that every firstborn, every firstborn in Egypt would die in the final plague, the great plague that He would use to set His people free. But He also gave instructions for to the people, the children of Israel to to take a lamb and take it on the tenth day and have it for a few days and sacrifice that lamb, kill that lamb and roast it and cook it and eat it as a family and take the blood from that lamb and put it around the door. You know, put it on the top and on the sides, the doorpost and 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 the lentils. Uh, put it around the door, and the lamb, the angel of the Lord, when he saw the blood of the lamb as he was passing through executing that judgment, promised to pass over the households that had trusted God and done what He said and put the lamb blood on the door. All foreshadowing and picturing Christ, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But the lamb was consumed. It was eaten by the family and the blood was put on the door and the last plague happened and all of the firstborn in Egypt had died, even Pharaoh's heir who would be heir to the throne. But all of Israel had been delivered because they had trusted God. They had a, done what He said and sacrificed and eaten a lamb, roasted a lamb, and put the blood on the doorpost. See, the Passover feast looked back to that great deliverance and it celebrated God's bringing His people out of slavery. So again, I'll, I'll point you back to Exodus, not my point to thoroughly uh, exhaust what the Passover was. But just to point you back, it was a celebration of God's deliverance. It was a remembrance of God's deliverance. And since the destruction of the temple, you know, there's only a roasted bone on the table, but that's another story. 
But the Passover feast looks back to God's great deliverance. And how was it celebrated? Well, it was celebrated by recounting the Exodus uh, Passover story over a shared meal. And the shared meal consisted of unleavened bread, wine, bitter herbs, and a roasted lamb. The, the lamb had to be roasted. And all of this is, is yes, it's what God used to uh, protect them and accomplish a deliverance from Egypt, but it was all prophetic and pointing towards the Lord Jesus Christ who would come. But they rehearsed the story of God's deliverance. It was a remembrance every year of how God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt, how He had brought them out and taken them to Mount Sinai and made covenant with them and on we could go. And as, as time goes by, many traditions sort of, you know how things happen. You have a, a kernel and then traditions develop around that. Many traditions developed. But today I want to focus on two elements of what was a traditional Passover meal. We might go over the whole thing another time, but I just wanted to focus on these two elements and um, not preach for an hour this morning since we have some logistics to go through to get communion done and all that kind of stuff. But two things. The bread and the wine. The unleavened bread was a reminder that they left Egypt in a hurry after that tenth plague. It was later nicknamed the bread of affliction. The bread of affliction as a reminder of their slavery. It was also nicknamed the bread of freedom because of the deliverance that God had performed. So it was a reminder of their freedom. And there was no leaven to be in it. Yes, it was a symbol of, of them leaving in a hurry, but also a, a symbol of sin is leaven or yeast in the Old Testament. Because matzah, and I, and I had a picture and I forgot to put it up, but it's no big deal. But if you honestly, if you think about a big soda cracker, that's kind of how it looks. But matzah, unleavened bread, is more like a thin cracker and it is pierced so that it can be toasted and not you know, expand and burn. But even, even that, as it is pierced and toasted, it comes out striped and pierced with holes. And it, again, it looks a lot like a, a big square soda cracker without the salt with some burned stripes on it or some roasted stripes on it. But it had no yeast, so it doesn't rise, and it had to be pierced to keep it from burning. And striped was often inevitable. The pierced, let's think about it. This pierced, striped, holy bread was a perfect symbol for what would be done to Jesus. Isaiah 53, 5, He was pierced for our transgressions. And by His stripes, we are healed. And Jesus held up that bread, this bread of affliction, you know, he, he is the bread of life. He is the bread of the world. He would take His people's affliction of judgment onto Himself. That bread of freedom, He held that up in that meal with the disciples and broke it. Symbolizing His going to be broken on the cross and gave it to His disciples. He would be striped. He would be pierced. He would be broken as the bread of life. And the cup. By this time, tradition had developed and there were four cups, not just one. And they had different meanings and functions and we won't go into all that. But the cup after supper, the cup after they had, been, after they had eaten, when they were consuming the matzah, 
That cup was called the cup of redemption. Recounting the promise, I will redeem you. This is the cup that Jesus held up, symbolizing God's redemption, symbolizing the blood of the Lamb that had been placed on the doorpost in the Old Testament Passover. This is the cup that He held up and transformed or showed its fulfillment and its meaning. So just as the first lamb's blood would serve as a price to redeem the people of Israel from slavery and would enable them to enter into a covenant with God at Mount Sinai, so too Jesus' blood would be the payment to redeem His disciples both then and now from slavery in sin and enable them to enter into a covenant with God. New covenant. New heart. Forgiveness of sins. Power to love and live for God. So you can see in the context of the Passover, and just two of the elements come forward into the Lord's Supper. One was the bread of affliction, the bread of freedom that is transformed, and the cup of redemption that is transformed. And that's what we have when we take the Lord's Supper. We have the bread and the cup. Showing that all of that had been fulfilled in Jesus. So talk a minute about the Lord's Supper. What we see in the text here and what Jesus has given to us, what we celebrate. Here we do this monthly. We've missed two because of the, the corona uh, event. But um, we wanted to do that as we gathered back together. But on the first Sunday of the month, normally we have communion during the service and then we have a meal together after the service if, if you're wondering how we normally do things. But what is then? Okay, we've seen what the Passover was, and that's what Jesus ate with His disciples, and He's now transforming that and showing them the fulfillment of that, that that Passover lamb pictured the true and greater Passover lamb, which is Himself. So what is the Lord's Supper? Well, we know that it's a means of grace. It's, it's one of the things that God has left, one of the two sacraments or ordinances that He has left, communion and baptism, Lord's Supper, Baptism, however you want to say that. It's the th- things including the word preached and read and prayer and all of these things through which God works to both bring us to faith and grow us in grace. The word being primary, especially preached. But it's, it's also a proclamation of his death. See, that meal, that meal, we no longer celebrate the Passover, Old Testament form, because it's been fulfilled in Jesus and done away with. But we do regularly celebrate the Lord's Supper. So Jesus was telling His disciples that He would be the Passover Lamb, slaughtered for their redemption and freedom. Why did He have to die? He he had been... If anyone was good, it was Him. He had fulfilled the law in thought, word, and deed. He had never disobeyed the Father once. He deserved only blessing. But remember, the purpose of the Passover lamb was to deliver the people. And in Him, in Jesus being our Passover lamb, He delivers us from the condemnation that we deserve for having sinned or having broken God's law. He took our punishment upon Himself. So Jesus is showing that everything that Old Testament Passover sort of pictured is accomplished in Him. He's the true and greater Passover. And remembering and participating in the true and greater exodus is what the Lord's Supper is. 
We, we celebrate delivery from a greater captivity. We, outside of Christ, not coming, haven't come to faith in Jesus, not even realizing it, probably wouldn't confess it unless God's at work in us. But outside of Christ, we are in captivity in sin. We love self. We love sin. We love our own way. And we will only have God as He will sort of sign off on our own way. The, the Lord's Supper is a remembering of a true and greater exodus where Jesus brings us out of that captivity of sin. It's deliverance of the true and greater nature. Deliverance from the condemnation as well. Why is there no condemnation? Romans 8.1 There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because He took the condemnation. God didn't just sweep our sin under the rug. Christ paid for it so that we could be set free. What did John say when he pointed to Jesus? The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God is what he called him. John the Baptist. The true and greater Passover Lamb. The sacrifice that really paid the price for our... I mean, we sang it today. The price for our uh, exodus. Freedom. Redemption. Salvation. The Scriptures say... I mean, simply, kids, you, you probably all know the verse. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, the, the Gospel is that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried and He was raised the third day. Listen, the resurrection of Christ proves the Gospel's true. That's the crowning proof. That's the one God has given that Jesus will be the one through whom God judges the world in righteousness. Acts 17, 30 and 31. Because He was raised from the dead. If you want to disprove Christianity, you have to disprove the resurrection. And I'm telling you, that's an impossible task. You cannot do it. Without using a double standard, you cannot do it. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is our true and greater Passover Lamb who was sacrificed to pay the price for our exodus, our deliverance, our departure. So quickly, how is it celebrated? Well, look here in, in our text. In, and, I, and I know we're not hitting this hard and, and I'm trying to be brief and you know that's a challenge for me. Um, but in, here in Luke 22, notice what Jesus, in the context of eating the Passover together, notice how He points to His fulfillment of it and transforms it. He says this in, in verse 19 of chapter 22 of Luke. He took the bread... And when he had given thanks, maybe something like, Blessed be the Lord God, creator of heavens and earth who brings forth bread from the earth. Something like that. He broke it and gave it to them saying, Now watch, this is my body. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So one of the things that our celebration of communion is, is a remembrance of Jesus. It's a rehearsal of the gospel story. It's a remembrance of what He has done for us. The remembrance of Him in the cup and, and with the bread. But it, it is more than a remembrance. It is much more than that. Right? It is also, as I've said, a means of grace. But Jesus says, now watch when he says, this is my body. He says, this is my body. Was it literally his body? We get into a little bit of controversy maybe. No, I mean, his body is there. It's a true human nature. It doesn't trans... 
it's contained in him. But just like when he says, you know, he is the door. We don't believe he has a doorknob for a belly button. It's figurative language, right? The bread wasn't literally transformed into flesh so that they could eat flesh. But he's saying this no longer is the bread of the Old Testament Passover. This now represents me and my body, which will be broken for you. So it is a remembrance, but it is more. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But he says also, look, in verse 20, and likewise he took the cup. Remember which cup? The cup of redemption. He took that cup and he says, it doesn't stand for that anymore. That is fulfilled. This is now standing for me and my blood of the new covenant. And likewise, the cup after he had eaten, after, and that's important. That tells us what cup we were talking about. After they had eaten, after supper, it's the cup of redemption. Saying, this cup is poured out for you. This is the new covenant in my blood. And we know from 1 Corinthians and other places, we're told to also do that in remembrance of Him. So now these things, they don't symbolize that Old Covenant, Old Testament event where the, a lamb was sacrificed and blood was put on the doorpost and they ate the bread of affliction and it was without leaven. No, it's been fulfilled in Jesus. And now the bread is representative of His body. He is the bread of the world and the cup of His blood. Why the blood? Old Testament, life is in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. It's, it's, it's speaking, it uses the blood to speak of the entire sacrifice. The wages of sin is death. His blood is poured out. It means His life was poured out for His people. And so we eat it by remembering the cross. We remember the Gospel. We remember that Jesus died for our sins. But we go further than that. We believe we believe. See, now here's, here's why. You'll hear me in a little bit tell, ask that if you're not a believer, don't take the supper. This is why. Eating and drinking, one of the things it does is portrays believing and trusting. When you take the supper, when you take the bread and you take the cup, what you are saying to God and to those around you is that I am a disciple. I am a follower of Jesus. We're saying that we believe the gospel that that represents when we eat. Now, there are other things going on, but one of the things we do, we remember and we believe. Not just mental assent. Remember, the, the devil just believes Jesus was the Son of God who died on the cross and was raised from the grave. But we trust this Savior who was sacrificed for her. That's what, for us, what, what believing biblically means. So we remember Jesus died for us. We, we believe, we trust Him so that we then feed upon Him. Controversy going down through the church. But listen, just like the introvite, intro, introvites? What is an introvite? Was that an Israelite that was an introvert? I'm not sure. Just like the Israelites ate the Passover lamb, we too feed on Christ in the supper. But in a real and higher sense than eating literal flesh and blood. Christ, see, we don't believe, and I know there are, there are like the Roman Catholic view of transubstantiation that the bread and the cup are turned into the literal body and blood. The, the, the outer, what you see and smell and taste remains the same according to that understanding but the essence of the bread and the cup are turned into literally the body and the blood because you, 
it's sort of a representation of the sacrifice. We don't believe that. We don't believe that's biblical any more than when Jesus stood there before the disciples and said, this is my body, that it was anything other than matzah. But it, we feed on Christ's body and blood spiritually because He is really and spiritually present with us in the supper. And we partake of His sacrifice on our behalf. We're not being saved over and over and over, but we are feeding in our hearts on the Lamb, on His broken body and shed blood spiritually. So it's not just a memorial. It's not magic. <laughs> it's not a transformation into real body and blood, but it's spiritually Christ. His human nature remains human. Divine nature remains divine. But He's feeding our spirits. He's feeding our souls. He's promised to grow us in grace as we believe the Word of God and trust in Christ, that He was broken for us. So His body and blood are spiritually present. And listen, we feed by faith. So as we are eating and drinking the elements with our mouth and we taste them and they remind us of His goodness, in our hearts is where we feed. By faith on the fact that Jesus' body was broken for us and His blood was shed for us. And we, we are trusting that. We are appropriating that. We are being strengthened by the fact that we are saved because He died for us. Not because we were good enough or not because we can be good enough to sustain it. It's all hope in Jesus. His broken body took my judgment and affliction. His shed blood washes away my sin because I am trusting in Him. And even that faith to trust Him is a gift of God. So we remember, we believe, we feed, and last, we proclaim. We proclaim. That, I mean, that's what, I'm, that's what we're doing when we take the Lord's Supper. Paul says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So as, as we partake in the supper, we are proclaiming the gospel. It is a gospel ordinance that Christ died for our sins, that He is our Passover Lamb who delivers us from captivity and condemnation in sin. And then we leave here, hopefully proclaiming that to others. But the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has accomplished our exodus from sin and misery. We no longer celebrate the Old Testament Passover because it has been fulfilled. That need has been met. The true and greater Passover Lamb has come and His name is Yeshua HaMashiach or Jesus the Christ, the Savior. He took our affliction. He took our judgment. He poured out His blood for our redemption. And He assures us of eternal life through faith in Him. See, the power of the meal is in the gospel, not the elements. It doesn't work just by eating and drinking. It works through faith, the Spirit connecting us to Christ and believing the Word of the gospel. He assures us of eternal life through faith in Him. He cried from the cross before He gave up His Spirit. The Passover Lamb, the true and greater One, the Lord Jesus Christ, it is finished, accomplished, paid in full. The debt was paid because being God and man, He drank that cup of wrath dry that was due His people so that He might give us 
salvation as a free, free gift. So today we celebrate the New Testament Passover that the true and greater Passover lamb has come. We call it the Lord's Supper. It was the Last Supper. But it's portraying for us. It's proclaiming to us. It is feeding us on the fact that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and He was raised from the grave the third day, and that salvation is through turning from ourself and our sin is through repenting and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Christ alone for reconciliation and redemption. So turn to Him today. And trust in Him today for salvation. Rest in Him. Grow in Him. Love and live for Him because He sacrificed all for us. To live is Christ. Amen. Good to hear those voices. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for kindness. None of which we deserve. But Christ has achieved for us. Through his perfectly righteous life. Through his fully sufficient atoning death. Glorious resurrection. Ascension to the right hand of power. And reigning for the gospel to go forth to the ends of the earth. Reigning for his church. I pray for us here. Lord, if there's anybody in this room or watching the live stream, sitting in a car, wherever they are that is not trusting you, I pray that you would grant them eyes to see and ears to hear. A heart that will own the fact that they have sinned against you and deserve your condemnation. But not stopping there, recognizing that the mercy of God is available in Jesus Christ so that they turn and trust and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their salvation. Lord, those of us who know You by Your grace, grow us and strengthen us and fill us and use us. Work repentance and faith in us as well. Help us to grow in living for You and loving You and loving one another like Christ has loved us in loving our neighbor and serving them and taking the gospel to them. Lord, as I've prayed before and pray even now, convert and sanctify your people. Send forth your gospel with the power of the Holy Spirit and do a great work in our hearts. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.